Three messages before we get started. If you're a tech entrepreneur, don't you have unique legal needs that the average lawyer can't help you with? That's why you need Scott Edward Walker of Walker Corporate Law. If you read his articles on VentureBeat, you know that he can help you with issues like raising money, or issuing stock options, or even deciding whether to form a corporation. Scott Edward Walker is the entrepreneur's lawyer. See him at walkercorporatelaw.com. And do you remember when I interviewed Sarah Sutton Fell about how thousands of people pay for her job site? Look at the biggest point that she made. She said that she has a phone number on every page of her site because, and here's a stat, 95% of the people who call end up buying. Most people, though, don't call her, but seeing a real number increases their confidence in her and they buy. So try this. Go to grasshopper.com and get a phone number that will make your company sound professional. Add it to your site and see what happens. Grasshopper.com And remember Patrick Buckley who I interviewed? He came up with an idea for an iPad case. He built a store to sell it and in a few months he generated about a million dollars in sales. Well the platform he used is Shopify. If you have an idea to sell anything, set up your store on Shopify.com because Shopify stores are designed to increase sales. Plus, Shopify makes it easy to set up a beautiful store and manage it. Shopify.com. Here's the program. Hey everyone, my name is Andrew Warner. I'm the founder of Mixergy.com, home of the ambitious upstart. And the goal here is to interview successful entrepreneurs about how they built their business. And today I've got with me a guy who I've talked about through several different interviews. And I finally get to have the man here to talk to him directly in person. So with seed funding from Y Combinator in 2005, today's guest, Steve Huffman, co-founded Reddit, the social news site with over 8 million monthly visitors. He sold it to Condé Nast in 2007 for an undisclosed amount. He's back with a second startup, which is also funded by Y Combinator, Hipmunk. Which, make, which makes it easy to find flights based on your schedule. I want to know why his company, why Reddit made it. I want to find out today in this interview about why other startups failed. I know that uh, Steve's been around the Y Combinator community for a long time. I want to get his insight about why certain startups there failed. And I want to find out what he's up to now. So Steve, welcome to Mixergy. Hey, thanks for having me. Cool. I had Alexis on here, your co-founder. He talked about Reddit. I had... Um, uh, Paul Graham, we talked about you and Reddit. Oh, so good yeah. to meet you in person, sort of, via Skype. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks. I'll see if I can uh, live up to those two. Hey, why? what's going on now with Reddit and Dig? What, what big mistake is Dig making? I'm hearing from people who are now at the top of Dig who are saying they're hardly getting any traffic. What's the big mistake that they're making? I, th I think Dig... Dig seems to be catering to the, the wrong crowd. Either they're uh, acquiescing to investor pressure, or you know, just just trying to change their product too much. Maybe they're trying to compete with Twitter too hard. But what they're not focusing on is what 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 they had. What made them valuable was their community and the users who were powering that site. And they seem to have uh, seem to be neglecting them. And and the users are upset about that. And that's why they're you know behaving so unruly or leaving or. You know, it's left dig in kind of a, a, a sorry state for the past few months. So my question is then, the next question has got to be, why didn't you guys crush dig? You you and Alexis and the whole, the whole founding community of Reddit was always in there. Even while Kevin Rose would travel the world and try different tea, you guys were on top of your program, growing your community. Why didn't Reddit crush dig? 
Well, Reddit is crushing Dig now. I think they're almost twice as large as Dig. Um, you know, Dig Dig had much in what stronger... way is Reddit now twice as large as Dig? In traffic. Okay. In uh, uniques per month and page views per month, or is my understanding? You know, uh, I haven't, I don't have direct access to Reddit numbers anymore. But from what the Reddit folks are saying, um, that seems to be the case. Uh, why didn't we crush them earlier, like before Dig like did us a favor and totally imploded on their own? <laughs> uh, it, it's a good question. You know, there's a, there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, Dig launched with a, you know, first of all, they launched before us. They had a pretty good head start. They launched with a lot of PR, and they they were were very good at riding the kind of PR wave of of social news. Um, you know, they get a lot of credit for inventing that. Uh, that 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 business and, and and they were very good at riding you know riding that wave of PR and, and taking and taking advantage of it and and Reddit you know we played it you know we kind of played it cool we were building a site for ourselves we didn't we didn't receive a whole lot of PR as we grew it was mostly word of mouth and kind of a slow and steady growth and you know well for so we lost the connection and you were oh, saying okay, something. Okay. Yeah. Um, so what frustrated us a little bit was that you know we were always put in this position that if we were mentioned at all, we were always mentioned as being second fiddle to dig. But we were also at the same time happy with the way we were growing and really loved our community and and proud of the direction the site was going. So you know while things weren't perfect, you know we would have loved to have been on top. We were also happy to have dig uh, be number one and take a lot of the heat for the. Uh, you know, cheating stories and gaming stories and all that, and let us just kind of grow quietly. Those were all the stories about how people were cheating and gaming, dig and paying for higher ranking. Is that what you mean? Exactly. Okay. By the way, I pulled up on compete.com, which is what made me drop the internet connection. Um, yeah. Traffic numbers for both sites, and it looks like dig, according to compete, has 6.8 million uh, visitors a month versus. Actually, you know what? I can't tell what's what anymore because Reddit did release their numbers and it showed that Compete's data wasn't accurate and it showed that no one really had it right. Yeah, so yeah, I can only speak for Reddit's numbers and that they got right. 9 million uniques last month. Right. Um, you know, I don't know what... Uh, I, I, I wouldn't put a whole lot of stock in Compete's dig numbers either. Um, so it, it, it's hard to say here or there. Okay, all right. Screw that. I can't figure out what dig is doing from day to day and I don't think that... Um, seeing what competes telling me is going to be useful what what is going to be more useful is how did you then grow the community for a long time people thought that you guys were copycats that dig was that was getting all the attention on the cover of business week how do you grow a community under that kind of environment well so we did get called copycats but i don't think we were copycats at all no you, know? you weren't i had i had alexis on here you talked about how the how the idea for reddit came about no question in my mind that you guys were not copycats. But how do you grow a community the way that you guys do? You have an incredible community. I'd like to be able to so do that. It was it was all word of mouth. We we didn't all of our users came uh, you know, organically and so we have a lot of genuine users. And and, and, and Reddit can be a little off putting at first, either from you know the the the, the tone of, of the you know the headlines or the comments or the design of the site. It doesn't appeal to everybody. And so the users who stuck around Stuck around for the right reasons, right? They really liked the content, or they liked the way things worked, or they appreciated what we were trying to build, which was just a simple, easy-to-use thing for, you know, consuming large amounts of content. And so, in that regard, every user we had was really valuable. We're
lord, what's going on here with the internet? We're internet troubles again? Yeah, we are. Sorry. I'm. You know what? I'm here at a Regis office. These guys are known for giving you incredible world-class service, which they're giving me. They're known for giving you good internet connection, which they're not. And I'm suffering here with great cappuccino, but terrible internet. Ah. Yeah, let me make sure it's not my issue. I think I, I, I checked this last time. I think internet's doing okay. All right, but I think I'll, uh, I'll make sure. So Alexis told me the initial. The initial audience came from Paul Graham's community that he emailed the people in his uh, address book. He said, check out this site, and they came in, and they were active. Was there another another burst of, of members, more people? Was there another source that brought in a lot of people? So Paul brought us the first maybe 1,000 or so uniques. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I don't remember any specific huge waves. Um, th th there were times when we, we would be surprised, like, hey, look, we spiked again. But it was, wasn't always clear why. Uh, kids going back to college in the fall is generally a big, a big boost of users for us. There's not generally one event that's tied to it, but we found ourselves always chasing spikes that happened in August and September. Um, the last big spike they had, I think, was this big redesign. But that, you know, that was that's relatively recent. Uh, Reddit and Dig both being five years old now. Right. Um, you know, over the years we've we, we've always grown. Our, our graph looks. It doesn't seem to really matter what uh, what snapshot of our lifetime you're taking. It doesn't matter like what the range of the graph is. It's always uh, it always looks the same, whether it's one month or one year. It's just kind of got the same steady growth. So, give me a little bit more substance to this. I'm really trying to figure out what you guys did to get people in, and what what I'm hearing is it just happened organically. I want to know how it happened organically. I want to know where the people are coming in and how you how you kept them engaged and how you brought them back in and how you got them to promote them. Well, so, Reddit to their you know, friends. we get asked this question a lot. You know, yeah. how do you make how do you make an online community like Reddit? Uh -huh. And my answer is usually I don't know how to make it. What we did really well is 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 not screw it up. We we were very concerned with when users came by, were could we cram as much content on one page as possible? Is our content interesting? And if it's not interesting, is it our fault? You know, for example, uh, is is the algorithm broken? Is the same are the same stories on the front page for you know more than a few hours? Because if so, the the, the website is now boring for most of our users because they've already seen everything. So we, we kept a very careful watch on the churn rate of stories, on the comment ranking. Was that working properly? On speed and uptime were also very important. One, like every time Reddit gets slow, we, we always we would have this issue where we would address the issue and make Reddit fast again, and all of a sudden our page views would go up. If we made the site go faster by 10%, page views would go up by 10%. And, and, and that was always kind of a, a funny thing. We, we would joke about the only consistent thing we could do to drive traffic was make Reddit faster. Because sometimes we'd add a lot of features and traffic would, would go down. Sometimes we'd stagnate for a month or two and traffic would go up. And we were always just like, who knows, let's just make, site, let's make the site faster again. That always works. I see. And how did that impact your decision to not have pictures on the home page and not have uh, thumbnails of videos and so on? Um, so a lot of that came out of just a desire to have something simple, mm -hmm. uh, you know, s something not distracting. So, if, uh, and a lot of our content, a lot of the original content on Reddit is in the headlines themselves. So making the headlines the focus of the site uh, was really important to us. And fortunately, it was also important to the users, and and, uh, and and it creates that sense of community. You know, anything you can do to create that sense of community is super valuable. 
So allowing users to have really long headlines, for example, was one thing that we did that that other sites didn't, or you know, not censoring swear words, or you know, not censoring anything to the extent that we could get away with it, allows the community to to bond and, and really find find a home there. When I asked Paul Graham about how about Hacker News, he said that it takes a lot of time for him to manage that community. And here you guys have a much bigger community with Reddit, and I see that you interact with people via email. You're active on the on the site itself. How do you do that? Uh, you know, we, we started off when, when we launched. Alexis and I would just answer every single feedback email we got, and and for a while that was sustainable. It, it unfortunately is no longer sustainable. But uh, the community also, uh, one of the, there's, there's kind of an interesting backstory between Hacker News and Reddit. And one of the decisions that we made on Reddit is that we don't want to be moderators. It, it's, it, it doesn't scale very well. And, and, and on Reddit, a lot of the users are moderators, and especially in all of the smaller subreddits, you know, the vast majority of which I've probably never even seen, or, or neither have any of the other Reddit you know, administrators. And, and the community, Reddit's been very good about uh, self-policing itself and appointing other moderators and, and keeping things together and also I, 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 sh I, should, I should say the bigger issue is that there's a, a distinct lack of moderation on Reddit um, to a large extent it's anything goes as long as it's not spam uh, m most content will survive and, and so that was one of the big philosophical differences between Reddit and Hacker News is, is we didn't want to remove content or we didn't want to tailor uh, the site to any particular type of content where Hacker News is heavily moderated. Right. Paul, Paul had approached us before building Hacker News and said, hey, can you guys make me my own Reddit where people can only upvote and I can have like supreme control over the content? And, and then we were like, no, that's not, you know, that's not really on our agenda right now. It's not the type of thing we want to support. And, uh, and so he, he, after asking other friends of ours to build it, he was like, fine, I'll build it myself. And, 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 that's, and that's what you have with Hacker News, is, is Paul's version of Reddit, uh, where he could control the community in the way that he wanted to get the type of content that he wanted. Who were the first moderators that you brought into Reddit? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I know one of the first outside moderators that sticks in my mind is QGYH2. Um, he, he was uh, this insane Reddit user. I shouldn't say he was insane. He spent insane amounts of time on the site. And we always thought he was a bot for, for a long time because we would look at his, his usage and there was, never, there was like never an hour during the day where he didn't check Reddit. We're like, this guy like never sleeps, he's just always on Reddit. And so in my mind, he's one of the first. Uh, Alexis would, be the, would probably have a better answer to that. Um, but, but I know we brought him in to uh, just keep an eye on things because we, we, he was spending more time on the site than we were at that point. What was the decision like inside to allow moderators to come in and to figure out who the right moderators would be? Uh, it was mostly out of necessity. We just didn't have time to to do it ourselves anymore. I was doing development stuff. Alexis was doing his marketing stuff and flittering around the country like he does. And so we, we just needed help. And fortunately, and, and it took a lot of convincing, to be honest, because we felt very... Uh, strongly about the, the direction of the site, how it should be maintained, and, and we knew if we had gotten like a bad moderator who just banned everybody for silly reasons, that would be a bad story for us. And But we didn't have a choice. <laughs> you know, we just needed somebody to, to watch things and take care of things. What were the and first we've had things? those bad... Mm -hmm. Go ahead. What were the first things that you needed the moderators to do? 
uh, mostly keep on, keep on top of spam or, and vice versa. You know, we had a spam filter that would block things that weren't spam, uh, and, and that always would create a story if, if a user noticed. And, and it was just a mistake. You know, we would try to be as apologetic as possible, but really the best defense against that is not banning things that aren't spam. And, and then also removing spam and kind of keeping an eye on, keeping an eye out for the cheaters who the spam filter can't, you know, can't catch. And so those sorts of things, just keeping the content uh, clear of spam is, is a full-time job in itself. You mentioned that Alexis was traveling around, frittering his time, I think you said. He basically said the same thing. I asked him how the how the relationship between the two of you worked, and he basically said that he was the one who hung out and you were the one who coded. But he had to have done more than just hang out. Oh, Tell me yes. more about him, because he's going to be modest about himself the way you're modest about yourself. So, so I would say he very strategically hung out. <laughs> Tell me. So the first summer of Reddit, um, I did. I, I basically coded when I was awake. That's all I did was code on Reddit. And so Alexis did everything else. He, you know, did the lawyers, managed the rent, took care of uh, every little detail of running a company, of which there are tons. That was his role. Um, and then as we grew, uh, he also had kind of a train wreck of a summer. I, I don't know if you know any of that story, where his mom got sick and his girlfriend was sick. It was, it was a tough time. And and, and so he was. Uh, I, I think. I always got the impression he was using Reddit as as kind of a way to, uh, almost like escapism to to stay in this Reddit world to stay happy and keep moving. And it was it was always kind of amazing to me to watch from the outside him going through this and also working on Reddit. And then as we grew, his role has changed over the years. When Kanye Nast bought us, Kanye Nast had all this infrastructure that did a lot of what Alexis used to do. And so, and, and that was kind of a, a, a little bit of an evolution for Alexis to figure out what his role was. Now that Kanye Nast had PR and marketing and sales and all that stuff, what Alexis would continue to do. And, and it turns out he just did that stuff better than what Kanye Nast would do for us. And so he continued, you know, I always describe his job as making us seem cool. Uh, and that's what he would do is, is he, he would basically maintain our goodwill, which was one of our strongest assets. Is just How? How would he do that? You know, if somebody sent us a nice email or somebody found a bug, uh, Alexis would send him a t-shirt, you know, or a handwritten note or get the team to all sign something. You know, he was just always uh, uh, making, always just being super generous on behalf of Reddit. And, and or, or if any, if a user went above and beyond the, the call of duty and like, it, you know, sometimes they would make little alien pictures or, or things, Alexis would always make sure to promote it and you know, give these people credit and basically just make Reddit seem warm and welcoming, especially um, through personal relationships, you know, real life relationships. Did you ever feel that it was unfair that he was hanging out with the community and you were coding 24 hours or at least all the hours that you were awake? No, no, uh, he's really good at that and, and, and I'm not. And, and so... And so, but I, we didn't really. I, I don't really ever feel like that was that was an issue with us. Um, the the only times I was ever frustrated at Reddit is when I couldn't code. Is if I was if I was spending too much time, you know, managing other programmers or dealing with Condé Nast bullshit, then I would get frustrated. Um, but uh, you know, Alexis was good at his job, I think. You know, I was good at mine, I think. And and I, we we complemented each other well in that regard. What about all the attention he was getting for being the founder of Reddit? And and 
I don't know that I agree that you're not good at being the face of a company. I saw you on Jason Calacanis' show. You came on, first of all, with a propeller t-shirt, which I thought was hysterical. To, uh, no, that was Alexis's to, idea, to be well, fair. Oh, was it? All right. But you <laughs> pulled it off. You know, propeller was his imitation of your site. I thought you were really funny. You were quick-witted. You were you're quick with information. I... I liked you as a leader of of the of a of a company. Well, I I don't I don't uh, I, I feel like I get plenty of credit for for being a founder of Reddit, um, and 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 I use that every day, especially with Hitmonk. And so yeah, there, there's no uh, I I don't I feel like I got all the credit that that I that I could uh, handle, or, or you know I do as many interviews as I can handle, which is you know about one per week. <laughs> and and you know, Alexis. Uh, you know, he, he, he excels at that sort of thing. That's really where, where he likes to shine. But there's um, also a trust there that, that some companies don't have where there are two different people. One person gets a little attention, even if it's just for a few months, and the other person gets jealous. And you guys don't have that, which is why I felt comfortable asking the question the way that I did. I know when my brother and I were partners, we didn't have that. But I'm wondering why, why that is, why you don't have that where other people might. Well, uh you know, Alexis is never the only thing that would cause me to raise an eyebrow would be like if Alexis acted like he was the only founder of Reddit or that he built it himself, which he doesn't do. Um, he's always quick to reference me or the rest of the team um, for, for our roles in Reddit, and and and, and so and, you know he takes credit for the parts that he's responsible for, and we take credit for the you know me and the other developers take credit for the part that we're responsible for, and and, and so I think everything's been fair in in that regard, and, and also. You know, you, you say you and your brother didn't have that issue. I mean, Alexis and I have been friends. Like, we lived together for eight years through Reddit. So we were, you know, pretty close to being brothers in, in the sense that, you know, I, I we, we have the same relationship that I have with my sister, which is we can get mad at each other without having to apologize later, which is, uh, it, it's, you know, people with siblings understand that dynamic where it's, you can, you can be honest with each other and not take it personally. When Alexis was on here, I asked him why you guys sold the company, and he, he said it was for personal reasons, but at the time he wasn't comfortable explaining what the personal reasons were. He's since talked about how what was going on with his family, and he's still, since opened up about it. But here you are. You didn't have that issue with your family. You, why, did, why did you agree to sell the company? I understand um, his it was reasons. A little, it was a little bit of an awkward time for everybody. Um, yeah, I don't like to get too deep into it. You know, Alexis had his reasons. Um, we had another employee who wasn't working out particularly well. Um, we weren't really sure about, you know, what the direction of Reddit was going to do or whether we're going to keep growing. You know, we have the benefit of hindsight now and we can see, you know, if, if we had known that Reddit was going to grow 20 times since we got bought, you know, maybe we would have uh, played our cards a little differently. But it, we it, also, you know, we were kind of operating under this mentality of, when the money's on the table, take it. You know, we, we, we were just poor college kids, and we had this opportunity to do pretty well for ourselves. So we jumped at the opportunity. And, and not every, most people aren't that fortunate. You know, most startups fail. So we're like, we have a chance to, to, to be a successful startup. So let's do it. And, you know, I, I can't, while I think we could have held on longer and probably made more money, we also did pretty well, so it's it's hard to it's hard to complain or try to rewrite history too much. Have you ever regretted selling when you did instead of holding on for a little bit longer? Uh, a little bit longer, no, because um, also when we sold was the fall of two thousand six, right before the economy 
totally tanked. And so if we had held on a little longer, I think we would have had dark days ahead. Um, if, if we could have seen the whole future that in you know, four years things would recover and Reddit would be huge and traffic would be great. Yeah, I, I, you know, I wish I still owned Reddit now and had owned it for the last four or five years. But um, uh, it, it would have, for everything to have gone right, for us to have the stomach to, to survive that economy. I mean, who knows? Like, Kanye Nast's umbrella helped us during that economy. We, didn't, we could still hire and pay market salaries when a lot of people couldn't. So maybe we wouldn't have even survived. It's hard to say. How did life change after the sale? Um, not not uh, a drastic, not by a drastic amount. Um, we we moved to San Francisco. That was a pretty good, big change. But our best friends at the time also moved to San Francisco. So uh, it was it was mostly the same story in a new city. I mean, personally, uh, I think on on Calacanis's show, you guys, uh, you said that you became a millionaire afterwards. Here, you're telling me that you were a poor college kid when you started out. So personally, away from work, how did life change? Ah. Uh, Things, uh, having money takes a lot of stress out of life. Um, it's, it's funny, I, I, I'm in this weird position now where I don't remember quite how uh, my, my thinking about money has changed. I know it obviously has because I don't really think about money a whole lot these days. But I also don't um, live a, a, a demonstrably different life. Uh, I still hang out with the same friends and we still, you know, like my, my favorite memories are still, uh, are, are basically the same things that I used to do in college or you know, that summer with Reddit before we sold, which is hanging out with my friends, you know, playing video games or playing cards or, you know, whatever we do together. Um, so day-to-day -day life hasn't changed a whole lot. I feel like I'm a little less uh, stressed out or, like, I, I don't think so much about what I'm going to spend money on, but I also don't spend a whole lot of money. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to say, to be honest. Do you remember the day when you signed uh, the paperwork, when it was done? What was that like? Yes. Uh, I remember actually the day before much better. Tell me. The day before was when all, all the lawyers had agreed and we basically said tomorrow we're going to sign the papers. And I remember I got really emotional that day. I was, I was sitting there at my desk in, uh, in Boston and I just cried. I was just so, uh, I don't know if I was excited or relieved. It was a stressful time trying to sell Reddit. There was lots of times when we thought, oh, it's not going to work out. We just wasted the last month negotiating with these guys. And that was a uh, that was that was a pretty emotional time, and then when we actually signed Reddit, it was like, uh, or, or when we signed those papers, uh, it, it was almost just like a, any other day. I felt like I'd already gone through the uh, the, the 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 big uh, breakthrough the day prior. I get that. All right, so now you did it. You've stuck around Y Combinator. You've talked to new startups. You've given them advice. You've also seen some succeed and some and some fail. The ones who don't make it, we don't really get to hear much about them. I'd love to interview any Y Combinator company that didn't make it to find out what what happened. Short of that, since you're here and you've seen them, what do you think happened? I think a, a lot of them have a, a, a common story in that they weren't building something. They weren't building something inherently useful, or and and they didn't they didn't recognize that soon enough, or they didn't have the stamina to change ideas. And so when they weren't getting traction with their idea, they were going to have to either do something radical to convince people that what they were doing is useful or do something radical or even more radical and build something completely completely new. And, and a lot of people just don't have the stamina to do so. Uh, that they, Other things are calling them, you know, jobs with stable salaries or going back to school or 
you know, it's easy to say, I think it's easy to make an excuse to, to, to go do something else. And, and I think that's kind of the common story, right? And, and there's a lot of cases where founders just didn't gel. They didn't know each other beforehand well enough or they, 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 weren't, the right, they weren't the right mix or they weren't the right type of people. Um, but I, I think the fundamental issue is not building something useful and not, you know, not really committing for the long haul. Just quitting too soon is, is, a, is a common issue. Quitting just saying that's it. We're going to close up the company. We'll move on and get another job. That's what they say. Well, it's rarely that defined. Um, you know, it, you, you can see it. You can uh -huh. see it a month or two into Y Combinator. Like you guys probably aren't going to make it, but they'll drag it out for nine months. Um, you know, kind of working, kind of doing things, saying things like, "Oh, we're not developing our product right now because we're waiting. We're waiting for this. Uh, we're waiting for this deal." Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Uh, my screensaver just turned on and a password window popped up. <laughs> um, you want to uh, enter enter the password? I'm taking notes on what you've said here, I think, so I can ask some follow-up questions. We're all we're all square. Okay. Um, so so yeah, like because you meet people and say like, "Hey, your startup's dead." You may not have realized it yet, but um, but it's dead. But they've quit on it without officially saying they've quit. Yeah, yeah some officially say they quit, and that that saves a lot of people. Um, a lot of effort, you know. Maybe they pay back their investors and move along. Others seem to, you know, give up on their idea without having a new one, or, or it just kind of, you know, the writing's on the wall for quite a long time. There's a big belief in Y Combinator that you need to build something useful, without as much emphasis on marketing that useful thing. It's if you build it and it's useful, then people are going to find you and they'll give you feedback. And if you listen to their feedback, you'll be able to improve it. And you just keep doing that over and over again. That seems to be the philosophy. But have you ever seen companies that did build something that was useful, but just weren't able to get anyone to know about them or spread the word about them? Um, I can tell you a story uh, of, of somebody. Okay, so I, I don't know how familiar you are with the Airbnb guys or their story. They came on here. Um, I love those guys. Yeah. So, so I, I think they have a similar story to that where they were they had that company like nine months or a year before coming into Y Combinator mm -hmm. and were having that problem. They were kind of directionless and they weren't growing the way they expected to. And uh, I think if they hadn't done Y Combinator, they probably would have considered, uh, you know, making some drastic changes. And then. They basically came into Y Combinator and had this, you know, instant like shot of motivation and, and some new insights into their business and managed to totally change the company. You know, their traffic pre Y Combinator and post Y Combinator is, or that graph is, is pretty startling. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so there's a lot to be said for just uh, doing the right things at the right time. You know, or, or when, when they took control of their business and uh, you know started. You know, meeting their customers. You know, they they were able to make quite a drastic change in the company that had been around for quite a while. And, and one of the things why Combinator does well is it puts you in this position. It, it, there's there's a lot of inherent motivation in Y Combinator. You don't want to let down Paul, or you don't want to let down all of these investors you're going to be presenting in front of. Or you don't want to look foolish in the press because whether or not you build a good product, you're going to get a ton of press just being a part of Y Combinator. Mm -hmm. And so most people. Have a, a have a desire to not look like fools, and so that they work really hard to at least uh, feign usefulness, um, whether or not they actually have it. And most of them, in the, in the process of feigning usefulness, build something useful. <laughs> um, all right. Do you have an example of a company that didn't build something useful and just got tired before they could, before they could iterate their way towards usefulness? 
Um, th there's, I, I can think of, uh, in, in, the, in our first batch of Y Combinator, there was a company called, um, uh, they went through a couple of names. They started off as a dating site. The, the, the site that I think went public was called Brain Guppy. And the idea was they would, it was kind of this question answer site for building up kind of unique profiles. Mm -hmm. Almost like a, a really trimmed down OkCupid. And it, they, they went through a couple iterations of the site. The guys were really clever and smart. Um, the site was kind of fun, but they weren't really getting a whole lot of traction. And then at the end of the summer, they, they all went back to school. And, and, and so they had this kind of, they, they were faced with this decision of, do we continue pushing the site that isn't getting, you know, isn't getting a lot of traction, or do we just go back to school? And so they ended up going back to school, and the site foundered, and, and, and the rest is history. Now, for that reason, why Combinator has a rule where they don't generally bring in students who uh, can go back to school. You either have to drop out or graduate before doing Y Combinator. <laughs> okay. And I could see also that the other, the other um, reason for failure, which is that the founders don't know each other. I know now that Y Combinator screens heavily for that. They want to make sure that there's yeah. a relationship there. Um, how do they help you make a product more useful? Uh, you know, so with Reddit, we, we had Paul on our ear constantly. He was sending emails all day, um, being like, no, this, this sucks. This is, this is not, this is not what you should be doing. And, you know, some of it was good advice. Some of it was bad advice. Um, but we, we had this constant, uh, you know, we, we had this one user in, in, in Paul who just, it didn't matter if we were bad or not. He was going to continue using us until we were good. And, and, and that was helpful. I I don't know if that happens quite as much in Y Combinator anymore because it's bigger. Um, but uh, you know that was really that was really valuable, and we also had Paul promoting us in his essays, and so we got these users who would give us the benefit of the doubt. You know, if Paul Graham is promoting us, there must be something there, so we'll hang around until until there's until something is. Because the first version of Reddit was pretty lousy. It was it was slow. It was particularly ugly. It uh, didn't work right. It was always down. There was lots of issues. And, and, and we were fortunate in that we had kind of Y Combinator and Paul shepherding us through that, that learning time for us. Just as uh, Alexis was overly modest about his role, I feel that when I asked Paul Graham about his role in Reddit or how he helps create a better product, a more useful product, he said he just doesn't know. I, I don't know if he was overly modest or what, but... I'd love to understand what what he contributes, or, or sorry, not what, but how he does it. I'd feel so much better if there was a system out there that anyone can go and use than to say there's one person who's Paul Graham, and if you could get his ear and you could get his time, then your site will be user-friendly, and if you can't, then there's no answer here. I want to understand why, why he does it, or how he does it, sorry. What do you I think? I think Paul's a good product guy. Um, you know, there are lots of good product people out there. Um, they're not always working on the right things, but Paul is, I think he's an exceptionally good product guy. He has a really good eye for what's useful and what isn't. Um, and, and he's also completely stateless and has no social filter. So it, 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 it helps that you can go to this guy who will just be like, this is stupid. And it doesn't matter whether you've been friends with him for five years or you just met him or, or what. He'll just, he'll say that to anybody. Like if, if Larry and Sergey showed him like a new version of some Google product, Paul would have no problem being like, this is stupid, nobody will use this. And, and he might be right, is <laughs> the thing. And, and so I, I, Paul, Paul, I think the, the combination of his being good at products, being completely honest and having no social expectations uh, make, makes him 
a, a very useful source of feedback. Do you remember one thing that he helped make, or one way that he helped make Reddit better? I'd like to see his ideas in action. So one of the things he told us very early on, if I don't even think we had launched anything, maybe we had shown him some screenshots, was he insisted that we put as much content in the upper left of the page as possible. And, and I think that was the first time I had heard that idea. And, and that's what we did. We did that on, we've done that for all of Reddit. And, and, and I do that now in, in other products like Hitmonk that I'm working on. We try to make sure, not necessarily upper left, but as much content, as much useful information on the page as possible. Um, and I, you know, that's this, you know, I just, I guess a piece of product, web product advice from Paul that, that, uh, you know, I've carried with me for the last five years or so, uh, with, with good results. Okay. Uh, did you ever disagree with him? Did you ever say, oh. no, you're wrong? And how did that go? What did you disagree with him about? Oh, our, our name, the logo, he hated the logo. He thought we should put the logo down in the lower right of the screen. Uh, so people would, you know, it's, it, there was a lot of branding things that he didn't care about. Just like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> we've got this. Um, like, over the years, you know, the, the kind of Reddit hacker news schism where he wanted his own, you know, Reddit behaving so he could, you know, have that community. And we, we agreed with him quite vehemently there and, and <laughs> to the extent where he, that, that he built his own version of Reddit. Um, uh, but, but, you know, once we knew we were onto something or, or we had the, once we had the philosophy behind something that was working, we, we would generally stick with it. And Paul, Paul doesn't take things personally when you disagree with him, which is also helpful. One more thing about uh, startups, entrepreneurs who quit too soon. Why, why do you think you stick it out? What is it in your, what's your motivation or what was your motivation for sticking it out through the hard times? What is it that you have that others who quit too soon don't have? Well, there, there was uh, a lot of things. One was, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't have the allure of going back to school and I didn't want to work for somebody else. Um, even just after that first summer of doing Reddit, before it wasn't really taking off, but it had a few users. That was enough of a good experience for me to know that I don't want to work for anybody else. I want to work for myself. Um, so I, I felt like we didn't have a choice. Right? We had to, if Reddit had had, you know, if Reddit wasn't growing, maybe we would have walked away at some point. But Reddit was always growing. And, and, or if it had a stagnant month, there were still people there using it. And so our feeling was, if somebody finds this useful, Somebody else who hasn't seen it yet will also find it useful, uh, and, and so you know, not letting not letting those people down, or you know, was was a big motivating factor. And then there's much sillier motivating factors, but still important. It was like I didn't want to look silly in front of my parents, or I didn't want to look silly in front of my peers. You know, I I, I wanted to have a successful thing, just for my own personal, I guess, satisfaction. Were your parents the kind of people? Well, how would your parents have reacted if it failed? And you look silly uh, in front of them. You know, my, my uh, you know, they would have been supportive. Like they, they would, they, they would never like tease me or anything. But my mom was kind of, especially in the early days of Reddit, was always calling me, being like, "Hey, you know, when are you going to get a real job?" Uh, and, and it was like, you know, never. <laughs> and 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 I just, I, I really wanted to, you know, demonstrate to them that, you know, this was a real job and we were building a real thing. And, and while, and while. Uh, you know, they, they can't relate to the content on Reddit or, or, or you know, any of the things that 
I shouldn't say any, but many of the things that make Reddit kind of magical, you know, might not appeal to them, uh, but that we were actually doing something real and making an impact. Did um, do you come from a family of entrepreneurs or people or how was entrepreneurship um, looked at you know, my, when you were growing up? So my parents divorced when I was when I was young, and so I, I had the advantage of having kind of two sets of parents and 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 you know lots of perspectives. So I had my father who was always talking about some idea he had. You know, I want to open a restaurant, or I want to open this go kart rink, or I want to do this and do that, um, and so he was always just kind of talking about starting companies and, and he he actually idolized his father-in-law who who owned a bakery and he just thought that was the coolest thing ever and his parents owned a furniture store so th there's I guess some amount of entrepreneurship around that uh, um, not not techie or anything like that but en enough around that it was always seemed like a possibility and then you know I had my my mother and stepdad who had a very different perspective. You know, my, my stepdad was a successful business business guy, you know, always talking about business thing and, and really good at economics. And he and, and he was also a military guy and kind of gave me a, a totally different perspective on how to approach problems and how to work with people. And, and, and I think that was all uh, really valuable growing up. You know, I, I didn't know it at the time, but looking back on it, I feel like I had a distinct advantage of having so many kind of influencers and different perspectives. Did you start any other businesses before Reddit? Maybe something smaller. You know, I I tried a couple times. Like I, uh, uh, you know, repaired computers in high school uh, part time. I I tried to I tried to build this like computer, uh, you know, uh, computer manufacturing company where I you know build and sell PCs. Um, that didn't go so well. <laughs> um, uh, I spent most of my time as a kid just learning how to program. Um, for no other purpose than learning how to program, and and I'm I'm glad that I did. I didn't know at the time that it was going to be valuable, but uh, it, it's 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 paid off in spades now. What was it about programming that kept you going? It was like Legos, but you didn't have to buy more Legos. Um, you know, pro programming is cool in that you can build things, but the raw materials are free, or or close to free. You know, if you have a PC, even a really old one, and in fact, really old ones came with a lot more tools than they do now for learning how to program. Uh, you, you could build things. You can construct, uh, you know, castles in the air. And, do you remember one of the castles you made early on? Oh, I mean, I used to write a lot of games. Um, you know, a lot of stupid games. I remember working really hard on my wireless network inside our house um, before wireless networks were cool. That was a, a project of mine that consumed me for quite a while, um, and. and and I, was, I always had a satisfaction of building things that worked, even though they didn't really do anything particularly useful. What was um, one of the games? Oh, I had like this, uh, it, was, it was like kind of like a combination of, it was like two-player Asteroids, where uh, I guess Asteroids does have a two-player version. I didn't know that at the time, but uh, <laughs> you just have a couple ships flying around shooting at each other. All right, let's talk about Hipmunk. What's the idea behind sure. your new site, Hipmunk? So Hipmunk, the... the the idea behind it is really simple, that buying plane tickets or, or traveling, uh, planning traveling is, is a very painful experience, and we can do better. Uh, and, and so that, that's, that's the, simple, the simple motivating factor behind Hitmonk. Uh, when, when my co-founder Adam called me this past spring and said, hey, I want to do this travel thing, uh, my only objection was, are you sure we want to be in this space? Um, you know, it's an easy sell that 
yes, there should be a better travel thing. You should be able to buy tickets easier. You should be, you know, plane tickets easier or hotels easier. Um, that was not the the thing we talked about because that was obvious. Buying plane and hotels sucks. Um, Why? What sucks about what it? What wasn't obvious? Before we get oh, into gosh. what wasn't obvious, what sucks about it? I thought I'd just go into one of the search engines like Expedia. I say what day I want to take off, morning or evening. I see a list of flights. I sort them by price. I pay for the cheapest one, and I'm off. Yeah, but you pick for the cheapest one, but but you know in the back of your mind, well, this one's cheap. It's cheap because it has two layovers. Maybe there's a nonstop that's slightly more expensive, but, you but, can, but, but a lot better. But But you can still say no layovers or I'm willing to put up with one layover. Yeah, well, but then what if there's like, what if there is a layover, but it's a hundred dollars more expensive, and like you basically get overwhelmed by overwhelmed by data. Mm -hmm. um, at, at all the travel sites have access to the same data, effectively, right. including us. Um, so it, it's hard to win on price, but I knew the experience was bad, and, and I felt that it shouldn't be bad because I would be buying, I, I would be buying something from a fixed list of you know a few hundred things. Finding the best one shouldn't take an hour, and I shouldn't be mad. Sometimes I'd be like, I, I would have to take a walk after buying a plane ticket because I just felt like, man, this totally derailed me. I can't work for a little while because I'm, I, I'm frustrated with this experience I just had. Um, and, and, and to top that off, the websites often had this tone of, like, almost like I don't want you on my website. Um, you know, I'm just a means to an end for them. You know, like. like they, they can they can serve me ads, but they only serve me useful content in like this, you know, one by one square in the center of the page. And it's just like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> I'm making you money, you know, throw me a bone. Okay, and so how are you solving that problem? And I'll tell you in a minute. Uh, it sounds like I'm I'm I don't like Hipmunk. I want to tell you in a minute what I like about it. But I'm curious about how you guys were planning to solve that that frustration. Sure. So. Uh, we, we do a couple of things. First of all, is we, we, so our overall goal is to make the experience better. So the way we do that is, first of all, we don't show you 35 pages of results. We, we cram all of our results on one page. One of the ways we can do that is we remove about 70% of listings right off the bat. If you, if you tell us a little bit more about what you want to do, we can remove like 90% of listings. And, and that makes it really easy to see what the options are. If you're flying across the country, there's really only about you know five or six different options to choose from, uh, and, and and so we whittle you know we whittle down from a few hundred to five or six. That makes the decision a lot easier. You know we present the results in an easily you know digestible format where you can see the length of the flights and you can see the connections. You don't have to read a wall of text and you know your brain has to do all this parsing and remembering of uh, you know all these flights I've previously seen and that sort of thing. You can just see it all at once. And that makes the experience go uh, a lot faster. That's one of the things that I like. There are two things that I love about this site. The first is that, as you said, you're displaying in a visual way when a flight takes off and lands. Next to price, that's the most important thing for me. And what I usually will do on a site like Expedia or Travelocity or any of the others is I'll start to scan down and I'll start to see what time are they leaving? When is that one landing? And then it's not organized based on time that's the takeoff and based on when they take off and uh, and arrive. It's organized by price, so I have to really do a lot of work to figure that out, and that's a frustration for me. The other frustration that you guys are solving is sometimes a flight isn't the best way to get from point A to point B. For example, if I'm in Washington D.C. and I want to get to New York, in many many cases Amtrak is better, and you guys yes. list the Amtrak times and the Amtrak prices right there with the flights. 
I, I'm, I'm really excited about Amtrak. We've actually haven't promoted that as much yet because we don't have a relationship with Amtrak, but they've actually become more willing to talk. So I, that's going to improve in the future because that's like one of these things that not a lot of people know. But if you're in the Northeast, Amtrak's the way to go. It's so much better than flying. Um, I didn't and, know that. It's so much better because you don't have to waste time at the airport. Yeah. You know exactly when the train leaves. You don't have to go through security. You don't have to waste time waiting for it to leave or deal with delays. And then once you're in there, you plug right in. You have Wi-Fi. People can call your cell phone. It's just a much more convenient way. So It's, it's like flying first class for yes. a third or a tenth of the price sometimes. It's, right, it's, it's right. Pretty nice. Plus, you get dropped off in the center of the cities. Um, you, know, it, it, you can't... I. I, I that's My true. Partner. You drop, get dropped off in Manhattan instead of having to go from Queens to Manhattan and finding out, figuring out a, a way to get there. Either you wait in exactly. line for a taxi yeah, or you have a Union Station or Penn Station, and, right. and life is simple. Uh, I would suggest <laughs> one other addition. Can you guys add buses? In the Northeast, it's very often easier to take a Chinatown bus and faster to take a Chinatown bus than a flight or, or a train even last minute. So uh, short answer is absolutely. That was actually the original idea of the site was – multimodal transportation because it's not always obvious you know planes aren't always the best option and the other options aren't always obvious um, we, we, we did planes first because that's where the most pain is and there's kind of the, mo the most uh, it's the most established way to grow but uh, we will definitely be circling back to add I mean like I said that was the original idea and we'll be getting there uh, soon enough who knew? I used to laugh at the idea of a bus from Chinatown. I thought it would just be some crappy old bus. Most buses are terrific. You get to plug right in. Also, they have Wi-Fi, but really you're going to end up with 3G on your mobile. It's terrific. Yeah. And 15 bucks can't beat that. 15 bucks can't beat that. Do it last minute. Perfect. Yeah. I missed a bus. I actually had to go from New York to D.C. I guess it was earlier last week. Last week. I missed the bus. There was another one right there an hour later. <laughs> Perfect. If I miss a flight, I don't know what I have to do. Yeah, if you miss a flight, you are you have to bribe somebody, and it, you're going to have a bad day. And it was, like you said, right in the heart of the city, so I could just jump on the bus. Um, why take funding for this business at all? You did okay with the first company, with Reddit. Why not just fund it yourself and grow small and do it the 37 Signals way? Uh, you know, we could have done that. Um, there was a couple reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, well, one, so we did Y Combinator largely on a twist of fate. Uh, when Adam called me, he was in Boston finishing... Uh, his undergraduate at MIT, and I was in Virginia hanging out with my wife who was finishing her med school degree uh, in, in Virginia. And so the, the fact that we ended up in the Bay Area was largely a function of the fact that my wife uh, started her residency at Oakland Children's. If that hadn't happened, we could have ended up in, in I don't know how familiar you are with the, the way medical residencies work, but it's, it's madness. Yeah. You, you basically... Uh, make this list of cities, and then you, every med student in the country finds out on one day where they're going. And I was going where my wife was going. Uh, fortunately, that was the Bay Area. So that was kind of the first decision. Um, and then, so being in the area, it made it really easy for us to consider doing Y Combinator. And, you know, we, we could have funded it ourselves, but if we can't convince anybody else to fund us, maybe we have a, a, a an, an issue. And, and taking money from other people is, is a is a great motivator, um, especially for me. It would have been tough, or I should say, it would have been easy for me to walk away from Hitmonk at any point. And I'd be like, Adam, you know, hey, this isn't working out. Let's take our money back and you know go do something else. Um, as soon as you take money from somebody else, you're on the hook, uh, you know, kind of mentally and legally to to do your job the best that you can. 
and and that's and that's good. And then there was also just the the mentality of if it's not broke, don't fix it. Uh, you know, I worked with Reddit, had a pretty good experience. Why not do it again? I see. Um, well, had how is now you're in a situation where you don't need it so much. You're not a poor college yeah. student. You're now in a situation where you've got a wife. How's when you need to spend time with her? How's how's this different? Uh, it's different in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. um, you know, our, our hours are different. I work more reasonable hours now, um, but I also know a lot more now than I did five years ago. So, uh, you know, I don't have to learn. You know, I don't have to learn how to build web apps again. I uh, I know a lot more this time. So, in that regard, I get a decent amount of work done. And 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 Adam is also a technical founder. So we had two programmers when we started this summer which made building the first product go a lot quicker. Um, but one of the things I learned on Reddit was uh, how to not burn out. Or I, I should say, like on Reddit, I burned out a couple times. I just wouldn't get any work done for a while because I just didn't feel like working on the same thing. And, and, and you know, one of the experiences is, or one of the lessons is has, have a life. You know? So now I'm much more uh, cognizant of like having hobbies and spending time with my wife and, and spending time with my friends because those are the things that kind of keep you happy and make life worth living. How did you burn out? Do you remember a time when you burned out? What was that like? Yeah, oh, there was a time in Boston uh, before we had sold where, you know, that summer, fortunately we were kind of dealing with the acquisition at the time, so we had that to kind of keep us busy and use that as kind of an excuse for not getting anything done. But it was just hard to get work done, you know. It was the same. It was always the same issues, like fighting spam. Users are complaining about something. It just kind of takes its toll, and that's that's come and gone over the years. Uh, and and the way to I don't know if there's a way to get past it other than just stepping aside, um, you know, taking a vacation or just going doing working on something else for a while. What kind of things do you do now to separate yourself and get some distance? Uh, well, I saw me and a buddy started racing motorcycles about a year ago, so uh, we can do that. I spend actually far more time like maintaining my motorcycle than I do actually riding it, but you know that's always fun. Uh, you know, Hitmonk is still in that position where there's a lot of interesting problems to solve, also. Like what? Um, and I have my wife. You know, when she gets home, I stop working. Oh, and the Hitmonk problems. You know, it's well, we're starting from scratch. You know, we don't have to deal with spam and in, in, in an angry community. We have to deal with, you know. Airlines and where we're going to get this data. What's this? You know, what's this deal going to look like? What feature are we building? You know, there's so many more features to build. Uh, on Reddit, we basically we had kind of two features and just iterated them over and over. You know, user submit stories, user submit content, or comments. Uh, on flights, it's like do we want to do flights, we want to do hotels, buses, trains. How do we want it to sort them, display them? You know, there's there's just so many more things to do. All right. Um, finally. What kind of headline do I need to put on this thing to get a ton of traffic from Reddit? How do I, um, how do I game Reddit to get a lot of traffic for this interview? If you want to game Reddit, I would like the to headline game should Reddit. be like Reddit founder badmouths Reddit. Yes, <laughs> some sort of like in his underwear with Reddit a hot founder, chick or something. Yeah, Reddit founder decries left-wing content on Reddit. <laughs> Would you please decry left-wing content, please? And maybe right-wing also. I'd like to no, get I, both sides. I can, I can decry left-wing content, which is, uh, um, we have enough left-wing content. Um, but uh, it, it's hard. You know, Reddit users, I, it, it's What is it about left-wing content that you don't like? Oh, oh, it's not the content that I don't like. I guess it's the amount or, or it, it's, 
the the lack of uh, different opinions on some parts of Reddit. Um, it, it's it's funny because on Reddit, the Reddit users don't really know my personal opinions on anything, and so we, we had this whole controversy with uh, uh, the atheism subreddit on Reddit. And it was funny because while I agree wholeheartedly with their message, I felt like I was kind of the standard bearer for making Reddit seem welcoming for new users. And, and so people were like, oh, Spez, he's, I guess he's just some sort of devout Christian who just wants to squash our message. And it's like, <laughs> I was, and I would always take the opinion of, it, my, my views have nothing to do with this. I'm just trying to maintain Reddit. And, and, and it's been kind of this running joke. It's like, you know, Reddit has the content that I love. That's the whole point of Reddit. That's what we were building. But uh, I, I often get ripped by the user base for for censorship or, or something like that. Uh, are atheists becoming a little too militant, a little too fanatic? Um, I think it can get dangerous. The community has been good about policing itself. You know, there was a phase there where if somebody screwed up um, in real life, the Reddit felt this sense of, you know, they, they felt like they needed to dispense justice by, you know, calling this person and harassing them, um, which was a major issue. Uh, and... And, and I took no part in squashing this. They, they did it themselves. So a couple more reasonable people were like, hey, quit it. This is not healthy. This reflects poorly on us. This ruins people's lives. Like, this is not how justice is supposed to work. And, and, and so every, every, I feel like Reddit gets a little too ahead of itself sometimes, and, and, but also manages to rein itself in occasionally. You know, they're very self-aware. And, and that's one of the things that I think is, is pretty cool about it. The new website is HipMunk, H-I-P-M-U-N-K. He finally ditched Alexis. He gets to get all the attention for being the founder of a company. Um, and no more left-wing articles on Reddit. All right, no more yeah, stick, no more stick for me. It doesn't work. Really, guys, check out HipMunk.com. I'm telling you, I like this site a lot, and I think you guys will too. And uh, thanks for doing the interview. Hey, thanks, for it. That was, uh, that was a good interview. I really appreciated it. Thanks. Thank you all yep. for watching. Cool.